The spring semester of Ollie at UNT begins on February 1st. Register now to join us for a wide variety of non-credit courses, special interest groups, and interactive virtual events, all hosted live on Zoom. In April, we'll be screening two fascinating documentaries and having a conversation with the director, Peter Sanders. See what else we have in store this spring by going to ollie.unt.edu slash virtual. You're listening to the Ollie at UNT podcast, produced by the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas. This podcast features conversations with UNT faculty, other subject matter experts, and lifelong learners in our community. To learn more about our courses and events, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu, or send us an email at olli at unt.edu. Now let's join our host, Ali at UNT member, Susan Supak. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas, known to most of us as Ali. I am speaking today with Harry and Linda Eady. Harry is the director of the Denton Black Film Festival, and Linda is the festival's director of film programming. Celebrating its seventh year, this year's festival is a six-day event to be held from January 27 to February 1st. Last year's festival had an impressive 8,900 attendees viewing 93 different films, along with a whole slew of other events. Linda is retired from Delta Airlines as a flight attendant and in-flight service supervisor. But as with most community leaders we speak with, one can hardly think of Linda as retired. Along with her work with the festival's film programming, she's responsible for coordinating ticketing, year-round programming, and other aspects of the festival. Linda serves on UNT's College of Liberal Arts and Social Sciences Advisory Board. Harry is a 30-plus year business professional in the high-tech arena, having held a number of roles in leadership at the VP and director level. Most of his experience has been in the scientific arena, working with energy, aerospace, and defense, DOD media, health, and telecommunications in the United States. Harry's many community contributions also include work as the president of the Denton African American Scholarship Foundation, Incorporated, which has awarded over $400,000 to graduating students. Active throughout the community, Harry serves on the UNT Advisory Board for the College of Liberal Arts and Science, the Discover Denton Advisory Board, and the KERA Board of Directors. Both Linda and Harry are UNT alums holding MBA degrees and have certainly continued to contribute to the quality of life at UNT. And I have to say to both of you that as I did my research for our conversation together, I was quite simply blown away by the professionalism, the quality, and the extent of the variety of offerings of the Denton Black Film Festival. Harry, let's start with you. What is the story behind the Denton Black Film Festival? How did it come into existence, and where is it held? The festival, as you indicated, is entering into its seventh year. And my wife and I were attending a film festival locally, and we were just really sitting in the seats and looking around. And we had talked about for a number of years, you really did not see a lot of Black cinema seven years ago. As a foundation, we were always looking for fundraisers. And so I told my wife, I said, wouldn't it be really cool to do a film festival. And so with that, she looked at me and said, not again, here you go. <laughs> and I said, well, no, I, I said, I think it's something that is really helpful for the community. It could be something that I think the foundation would be involved in and, and support. And so that's really how we began. So about two weeks later, I had drafted a document that I felt like could start. I called up a couple friends, Shalon Brown and Rochelle Cummings. I've uh, been talking to my wife about it as well, but the three of us met, and then we started uh, trying to figure out how we could do this. 
we didn't really have a lot of guidelines to follow per se. And then we had our first meeting. Well, we got the board to approve it in April. So we met in March, got the board to approve it in April. And then we had our first meeting in August. And we planned it and it worked out. It was just, it was a day and a half. It was, we had 13 films that were curated and we had like 800 attendees, which was really good. <laughs> I remember our opening night was exciting. It was a full house at the campus theater and uh, we were just off to a great start. I'm even more impressed now. I mean, even your website, which I encourage the listeners to go to, is it's, it's very well done. It's very easy to navigate and it's so impressive. Thank you. Thank you. So what are you going to do this year with COVID? Are you making some changes? So last year was really a great festival. It was the largest festival we had to date. And what was, I think, unique about it is that we screened the largest number of films that we had ever screened before. We were in 12 different venues. And a number of people who had been to the festival before made comments about the breadth and size of the festival and how large it had grown. So this year, when the pandemic started, we had been working already on the festival, and our plans were to do a hybrid festival, do in-person as well as a virtual component. And as time kept going on, we realized that we would do a small in-person and a larger virtual, but at the end of the day, we are now all virtual. And and we understand that it, it really is hard to get a large number of people in one setting, but to try and take that number of people in 12 different venues. And we probably had five or six different events going on at one time, which made it kind of interesting to go to a virtual world. It's a little different. So this year, you know, some people, I guess, they've simplified their film festivals, uh, but we went big. So we said either go big or go home. So instead of having 93 We are going to screen 136 films. We're introducing a bunch of things, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, but it's really going to be by far the the most, I would say, honey, the most aggressive programming we've ever done. Yes, I'd agree here. (laughs) It's been such an impressive growth from 800 attendees in 2015, the first year, and then 8,900 last year. What do you anticipate this year? Do you know yet? Do you have any idea as far as attendees? Yeah, we're in this new virtual world and it's hard. The thing is that it gives you some opportunities. There are people that wouldn't be able to travel to the festival. So you get to really perhaps expand your audience. And that's what we're hoping will happen. Uh, Whether it's local people or people around the world even have access to the festival. So we're hoping that it will actually expand our audience. I would not be surprised, I mean, looking at, and I'm sure we'll talk later about some of the things coming up, but I noticed you have a workshop on podcasting. And so I could just see that there's going to be a lot of people that can join you that might not be traveling to Denton on a regular basis. So that is exciting. And I think one of the things that's really important, even though we are a Black film festival, the festival itself is not just for Black people. About 22% of our audience is non-Black. And we get a significant number of people from the North Texas area. We, uh, in the past, have gotten a lot of people that traveled to the festival from California, New York, Indiana, Minnesota. Canada. Canada. (laughs) So. Wow. International. You're going to have to put that word international in there. (laughs) So, So we do have people that have attended the festival for three years, five years, and some people that have attended the festival from year one. But I think what we've tried to figure out this year is how to extend the festival to people really everywhere. My wife will talk a little more about the international component, but we do believe that the festival will appeal to everyone because people are really concerned about how do we find things that we have in common versus trying to figure out how do we keep ourselves apart. And so at the end of the day, that's really what DBFF is about, is sharing culture, but also really having places for people to have discussions about things they don't normally have discussions about. And so we're hoping that from a culture perspective, people will understand a lot more about Black culture and and things that, that are done within the culture that people probably see but don't really think about. And so the theme this year is we tell our stories. 
And so we're, we're going to do that in a variety of ways with films. So the impressive thing for me is that we have 100 hours of programming. And if you think about it, you say in six days, there's only 144 hours that are available. So what we're really asking people to do is binge watch. We feel like we have a lot of binge worthy content. So we will allow you to go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, we'll allow you to grab a snack and come right back to your yeah. laptop or your TV. <laughs> but by and large, you know, you will have an amazing six days of program viewing that you can take advantage of. About what, honey, 40% of the programming is free, right? So yeah. whether you buy a ticket or not, you know, like with, as you mentioned, the podcasting, you can just get on RSVP and just understand more about podcasting, not only podcasting one-on-one for beginners, but also for people who've been doing it for a while. So there's a lot of things that will be shared and, and discussed throughout the festival. Sounds like everybody needs to clear their calendar. Okay. January 27 to February 1st, just don't go anywhere. Just plan on getting a good old box of popcorn and get ready to go, right? I know, because the thing, too, that I really like is just the variety. We What we have done really for people is to curate this experience so that you don't have to go around. You're not, you don't have to go to this place to look for art or go over here for some music. Oh, I want to see some poetry here. Oh, there's some films. There's narrative films, documentary films, short films. We have all of this in one place at this festival. So you can have binge on a variety of experiences. You don't have to get bored because there's always something different that you can check out. So that really excites me, the variety that we're able to offer and to really curate for people. One of the things that you will find about what we've done is that we've taken the position where we're, my wife and I are both curious people. In fact, anyone that works with DBFF is really a, a curious person, right? None of us are paid, but we all are very curious by nature. But we also want to curate those events that we think are some of the best events you will attend. And so we appeal to curious minds. We appeal to people that would like to go to San Francisco or New York or Dallas and say, well, I just had this great experience. That's who we curate for, is people like your audience, really. You must have an incredibly talented group of people working together to put this on. We do. One of the things that we are going to do, we have the films. There's 62 hours plus of film content, but we've spent a lot of time on the arts. So there will be several blocks, five blocks for the arts, and there will be two visual arts showcases. And then there will be several discussions for beginners who want to collect art also for people who are experienced art collectors. And then there are two more films. Yeah, there's a series that we have, one dealing with folk art, one episode, and then another episode with installation art. And then we're also, we're showcasing an artist, Dick Hendricks. His work is in person. You can go to the Greater Denton Arts Council, has put on this exhibit at the Patterson-Appleton Art Center, so you can go there. But we also have it virtually as part of this festival too, so you can tour the exhibit from the comfort of your home. So that's one of our art offerings that we're doing. We've just got something for everybody, and I'm really excited about that. Another thing that we hadn't talked about yet, I guess, that we're some things that we're introducing this year. I don't know, Harry, if you want to talk to them about poetry. We're doing something that we think is really good. We're in, we have Spoken Word, which is a signature event for the festival, has been for at least three years. But we thought it would be really good to have traditional poetry offered. So we are working with a group called the Breakbeat Poets, and they're poets from various parts of the country. One or two are from Texas, but uh, one I know is from Arizona, and I think one is from Chicago, or two are from Chicago, and one may be from New York. But they're associated with Haymarket Publishing Company, but they will be reading some of their works and talking about poetry. And then, of course, Spoken word is really the performance aspect of that. So that's really exciting. Uh, And then we are also introducing screen dance into the festival, which is really cinematic or film dance, if you will. So we're doing that in conjunction with Texas Women's University and TCU, some of their directors and and key uh, leadership people. So we're really excited about that. So we'll have 10 screen dance films from all over the world. Well, from the United States and a couple from Belgium, actually. But it will be a really 
exciting offering. It is exciting. So you have poetry and screen dance, and you mentioned art. You have the spoken word, and you have the films. What are your other categories that you have? Well, we also have offerings in social justice. We know there are things that are going on that uh, we all need to learn about or know more about. We are in partnership with Denton County Friends of the Family. We have a film, a narrative, and a documentary film around uh, domestic violence and dating violence. And uh, we'll have a conversation after the screening of those two films. We have a mental health a film, a couple of films that deal with those issues as they pertain to primarily black women, but everybody. I mean, it's a universal issue. Depression doesn't discriminate on who who has an issue with it or problem with it. So we've curated these two films, but also there would be a conversation with the filmmakers and then also like a life coach or psychotherapist will take part in this conversation after we show those films. Then we've got uh, things. We've got an environmental block with Earth X where we're talking, looking at the concept of who becomes an accidental environmentalist, knowing that there are people that that's not the work that they started out thinking that they would be doing, but because of a need in their community, they have had to become activists. You know, one of them is in our backyard here, Marsha, with Shingle Mountain in Dallas. Mm -hmm. She's someone that will be interviewed, will be part of that programming that we have, too. So it's just, it's interesting how people in your lives, you never know what turn, what happens in your community that causes you to have to activate, you know, and start standing up for your community and for yourself and make a difference in the world. So, and with our social justice things, it wasn't about just, this is the problem. We also wanted to talk to people that were part of the solution, people that are doing the work. We have one event I'm really excited about on Thursday night. uh, There's an episodic series called Detroit Rising, how the Motor City becomes a restorative city. It looks at restorative practices, and we'll have people from that film that are actually doing the work in Detroit and sharing the work, what they're doing. And restorative justice, it really, these practices, it devs down to the individual level too, where there are ways that we can restore ourselves and stuff that will help restore our communities. So it's a whole really interesting concept. It's real interesting to to see the work that's being done, work that can make a difference in a community to make it better. Absolutely. And all of this is what impressed me so much. It's just such a wide range of interesting things and important things that you have incorporated into this festival. I'm wondering, Linda, with the films, where do your submissions come from and what criteria do you use in determining which ones to include? We use Film Freeway. That's a platform that many festivals use and people from all over the world can submit their films. There's a small fee that they pay to enter into your festival So we get all of these films. I've assembled a team, a team of people. There's some that are in the industry, but many that just are film lovers, avid lovers. So what I do is I have this team and we go through and watch the films. I'll sign films for them to watch and everything. And then we go through and we rate them and review them. And then I have a counterpart, Sarah Hodge, who works with me on kind of calming everything down so that we have a a schedule and selected the selections for the festival. And we look at a lot of things. The most important thing for us, too, is the storyline. What is the story that a filmmaker is trying to tell and how well are they telling that this story, getting this point, their point of view across? So we look at, at that and then we look at the things that we're trying to say in the festival that year. Some things, if there's some things around certain social justice issues that we want to highlight or we want films in all different genres. So we've got horror, we've got supernatural sci-fi things, we've got look for comedy, we look for good dramatic stories, we look for documentaries where people were going to learn something new, understand things, whether it's from a historic standpoint or what's happening today. So we look at all those elements, you know, the narrative features you want, different things. We've got some everything from a historic Western that is based on a true story that happened here in Texas. Uh, Texas Red, to a a detective story, to uh, some things that are suspenseful. So we've got just a variety of things that we look at or try to put together for the festival. It's really difficult because sometimes not every film that we deem good can make the festival because it depends on, you know, your scheduling. 
we were able to do more this year because of the virtual world. We didn't have the limitation of theater space. So we got a little bit happy here and really, <laughs> you know, we're able to um, show more things that we've been able to in the past. So we were really excited about that. And then internationally, let me mention, though, that we do have uh, 12 international films in the festival. But of those 12, five of them are actually from Canada. So our kinfolk, I like to call them our kinfolk up north, we decided we haven't, during the festival, there's going to be a conversation with these five filmmakers that's going to take place that uh, Wednesday night after we have our opening reception. We have recorded a conversation with them about the work that they have created in filmmaking in Canada. So I'm really excited about showing that to people. We have the Jill Robertson is hosting that segment, and he is the uh, CEO and president of the African American Film Critics Association. Wow. So he's been in the industry for quite a while. So it, you know, it's good to have him talking to those filmmakers. It was fun when we were doing the programming for that recording and talking to all of them. So I think people will really enjoy that conversation. I think so, too. Yeah, and then we've got you know, some friends, films from Mozambique, France. The UK, Finland, I think what film from Denmark. Uh, so it's interesting content. You know, a lot of it is a short content. And then some, we have one of the feature films, Vagrant, uh, from Canada is real interesting too, because it deals with homelessness. And uh, when I talked to the filmmaker, he was saying that sometimes people always think this film was filmed in the United States or it's a U.S. story, and it's not. It's a Canada story. So the issue of homelessness and all that is a universal story. Well, that's kind of what came to my mind when you were talking about these films coming from all these different places in the United States and in the world. And I thought, I just was wondering how the films varied from being American films versus international films. Do you see a difference in them, Linda? Well, it just, uh, you know, the whole thing is it's still stories about the experiences that people are having. And whether it's here or, or somewhere else, there's still, there's a commonality in those experiences. So I think when you look, and that's one reason too, we named it, we didn't name it the African American Film Festival. It's the Black Film Festival because the Black experience is a worldwide experience. When you look at the whole diaspora, the experiences are similar and then a little bit different. There can be a little bit of a different twist to it. This summer, I know the Filmmaker Steve McQueen that did 12 Years a Slave, he came out with an anthology uh, from the UK. And it's exciting to watch those films. And you know that people that live in the, those countries in, in the UK, it's exciting for them to see themselves on screen. Because a lot of times, black people that are living in other countries, you know, they get a lot of cinema maybe from the US, but they don't often see themselves represented in terms of their country, their situation which could be a little bit different than what we experience here. So it's good to get that twist or that view, that more international view, to find out the ways that the experiences are in common and then to find out some of the little differences or variances based on different countries and their culture too and how it impacts the Black experience. Well, as you said, that's one of the, I mean, COVID is a horrible thing, but you try to look at bright spots in anything. And one of that might be that these people from different countries could actually appreciate when what the festival has to offer. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and I think one of the things that to me is significant about this point in time, as you indicated, is that we've actually looked, and I'm sure you have as well, looked at different episodes or films that you probably either never had the time for or thought about or explored. And so what well, we're we're thinking that this will be a good time for people to, to, to spend a little time, particularly looking at things that they don't normally see. For instance, we do have a music component as well. So Tatiana Mayfield has a lovely voice. She's a UNT grad. She will be performing at Dan Silverleaf. Mm. And so that performance has already been taped and we'll be broadcasting it you know, as part of the festival. But I was not familiar with her. I went to the taping and she's really a wonderful performer, right? So I may not have had the chance to pause to, to think about you know, maybe looking at her or her performance, 
But, you know, I think there are other things about the festival, uh, whether it be music or spoken word or other things that we do that maybe other film festivals do not do. Right. And then, Harry, don't forget this year we added an original music video contest. That's true. Too. So that will probably be something that we'll consider continuing on with the festival. But we had people submit original music. And the actually the audience, the festival goers, will get to vote on their favorite. And that will determine the winner of their of that contest where they get a monetary prize for the best video. So I think that's sort of a fun thing to add. And, you know, we didn't put a limit on what genre of music it was. So it's some variety within those seven videos that we selected for the festival. Sounds like a lot of fun. Hey, I've just got to ask, I saw that you have a poetry slam. So what is a poetry slam? Poetry slam is really a competitive spoken word event. So you'll have a number of performers who get to hear other performers and they try to top them. And then the audience votes, but also the judges as well. And so it's really a competitive spoken word event. Right. And that's been a signature event, but that lends itself to being in person for this year, you know, for our spoken word events. So since we can't do that or have that energy that you get from the in-person performances, we thought we'd go back to some of the people that have won the contest in the past and get them to perform some spoken word for us, as well as some other artists maybe that haven't been part of the festival before but are noted spoken word artists. So we are curating an experience around spoken word, too, where people can go and look. So if you've missed the in-person event before or you've never been to a spoken word or poetry slam type of event, whatever, you can go and, uh, and see this element of spoken word. And, I, you know, I love that we're doing both the spoken word and the more traditional poetry, because really spoken word is the performance element of this genre of poetry. Where traditional poetry is more of a written word. Poets will deliver or say some of their poetry, will recite some of it for you. But the spoken word part of it is really, it's the high energy, the poet... It's almost being an actor, too, in terms of your delivery and everything. So it's a really different kind of element. But it's, I love that we can have both of those as part of the festival this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think the only hard thing, the only bad thing is going to be deciding where to go. I mean, everything you talk about, I want to go here. I want to go see. Will they be offered at different times or how does that work? Well, oh, we'll see the films. A lot of the films are video on demand. They're VOD. So a lot of the content you will be able to see at your own leisure. Perfect. There are a few events that we have set times for, suggested times for you to see something. Or some of the live events like the Institute events, some of the live panels or discussions or things like that, we will have that. But hopefully we'll also have tapes that will be available later so that if you miss something, you may still have another opportunity to see it. Yeah, so the intent on our part really this year is to allow people to consume all the content at their leisure. So you can pause it, go to the refrigerator, get a beverage, come back and continue. And so we think that's one way for people to do it. So they'll be able to go through this hundred hours of content. So we're excited. We think that in years past, people may have seen uh, maybe 10 films, 10 blocks, and maybe went to spoken word or comedy. But this year, you know, they can just binge uh, watch. So so there is a thing about film festivals that is interesting, which a lot of people do really look at us and, and talk about. So we have been vetted by a lot of different, I, I guess, uh, attendees to our festival. And one of the things we're noted for, and this is a compliment really to the film group, is that people do believe we have some very good films. And so sometimes when you go to festivals, you have like 20, 30% of your films that are really, really good. Others are just okay. I would venture to say that we have the reverse of that. 80% of the films are just outstanding and 20% are very good. And so we have a reputation for that. So I think that as people consume the films, they're just going to see a lot of different stories that are being told. I saw several films last night Student films, actually, too. And, and I was pretty surprised at the sophistication on some of these students now with these stories. And what you really understand is that what's missing with most of them is really a budget 
and a little bit more experience. So when I looked at the other films that were from experienced filmmakers, I could see how the high schoolers actually were doing some really good work. And I think that's what you'll find ultimately with all of our events, but particularly with film, is that there are some really great films. And the thing is, I love that we present work by college students. And then this year we have Texas high school students. We have at least four students that are presenting work that we put into the festival. So we really love to encourage young people in their careers or their ideas, those that are interested in being filmmakers or have stories that they want to tell. I would like to give them that platform. I would think this kind of event actually would give these students and inexperienced filmmakers a great way to get some of that polish that you talk about. Right. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, when we're looking at films, we don't, as a group, we want really good stories. We want them to be able to tell their story well. It doesn't have to be perfect. We realize the budget that filmmakers are using, a lot of it is their own money and the passion that they're putting in their projects. So we really respect that. So we work toward, really hard toward selecting films that we think are going to be good or interesting stories that people may connect with. We try to do a variety of things so where there will be a film that's not your cup of tea, but there will be other films that you'll enjoy. So you'll get to kind of pick and choose. And I think, you know, one thing that happens with the physical festival, you're kind of limited to if you see this, then you can't. You have to make choices. If I go to this, I'm going to miss the spoken word. If I see this film, I'm going to miss seeing this other block of film that I'm interested in. But in your virtual experience, you can go through and really curate your own experience. You can look through the schedule and figure out what it is you want to see during those six days and plan accordingly so that you can see you don't have to miss something. Sounds like it's right down my alley because that's my problem. I want to see it all. So this is perfect. The other thing too, Susan, is that one of the things that we talked about before we went on air was really the virtual world and how we we keep doing the same thing, right? It's almost like Groundhog Day. Because, you know, things keep repeating themselves. But one of the things that we've really spent a lot of time thinking about is at our festival, what really is important is for people to have those breaks. Even though we said we want you to consume all 100 hours of content, we've tried to create some lounges for people like yourself who may have friends and you want to go to a lounge where you can actually talk about what you saw or just have some private conversation. So we have some lounges that will be available where you will be able to sit at a table with your friends, one, two, three friends or whatever, and just talk about things you want to talk about. And then you can get an alert or notification that a film is getting ready to start in 10 minutes. You can go watch the film, come back. So we're trying to create more of an intimate environment for people so they can have the experience they normally would have in person, or as close to that as we possibly possibly can get it. Nice, because I'm sure much of that interaction is really valuable when you're learning these kinds of things. It's great to be able to talk to people about what you saw and what you thought about it and different aspects of it. So you've also incorporated a way to communicate with the other people in the festival. Yes, but also, you know, particularly your friends. So if you have friends or you meet people, right, that you don't know, you can have a conversation and say, let's meet back in two hours. And then you can tell them once you get there, you can ask what table are you at? And we'll have them either named or numbered. And you just be able to go to that table and start your dialogue again. Nice. Nice. Harry, a couple of years ago, the Denton Black Film Festival launched an institute What is the mission of the Institute and what type of programming does it add to the festival? The Institute really is a very important component for us because our tagline is entertain, educate, and inspire. So we felt like if all we did was provide you with entertainment, we would really be missing the point of what we think having people tell their stories is all about. So we would like to help equip filmmakers with ways in which they can develop their craft. We also know there are a number of creatives that would like to, whether you're in music, whether you're a visual artist, whether you are a writer, you would like to develop your craft. We also know there are a lot of people who don't know that they're creatives, who would like to find out more about the creative process. 
So we developed the Institute a couple of years ago to really meet all of those needs. And so it's really uh, taken off. That's why I said we're going to have about 40 hours of free content all coming from the Institute for anyone who wants to know about, for instance, uh, artificial intelligence. We're going to have some workshops and panels on that. Uh, We're going to look at a film on facial recognition. We will have discussions about augmented reality, virtual reality. We have some tech talks that we will have. Peterbilt will have a talk about a topic. Uh, It may be about autonomous driving vehicles. So they're a sponsor. We're, We're really glad they're going to be doing that. We have just a number of things that we think can be presented to the community through the Institute for learning and education. What a gift. What a gift for the community. That's amazing. I'm so glad we're talking about all of this because I think it's so important for people to realize what's out there. And as you say, 40% of it is free. And the other part of it is worth it. <laughs> so it's just a wonderful gift. I'll say, you know, every we do a lot of free content and everything, but we're asking people too, that if you like the work that we're doing, if you want us to continue doing this work, there's an opportunity to donate something, even $5, anything, I, you know, helps us continue with the work that we're doing. Well, that moves into my question. I was wondering how the Denton Black Film Festival is supported. We're really supported through, of course, uh, sponsorship, ticket sales, and donations, but also relationships. So, you know, we're really thankful of our relationships with UNT, City of Denton, Panavision, NBC5. So a lot of different people, but in particular, the association with the universities, UNT, Texas Women's University, and, and others, NCTC, have really been important to us because they began to help us develop some of the important topics and issues that we sometimes focus on because we have discussions with the universities and they talk about issues of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so we work with several organizations within UNT and TWU to accomplish that. Right. And I think, too, I really like the fact that our city, the city of Denton, really does support the work that we're doing. So we have a good relationship with the city. So then there are different things that they participate with us sometimes. We've had the mayor speak at different events that we've had. So that relationship is important. It's wonderful when your hometown kind of really embraces what you're doing, all of the merchants and the restaurants and everything, when we're able to have an in-person festival, everybody benefits. So we've been embraced that way. And I really think that's wonderful. That's good to hear. One thing too, Susan, we are not talking about a lot this year, but next year we will, we have a tech expo, which is part of the film festival. And next year we will be, we'll have the, the tech expo. It will be at the Civic Center, but we will be exploring technology because we think that's a really big topic for people. So we're hoping that people will attend the festival for a lot of reasons, the Institute for a lot of reasons, but we also want them to probably go look at things they normally wouldn't through the Tech Expo and the Institute this year, right? Tech Expo next year, because we think that's important for you to learn more about what's going on around the world. That's why the relationships with EarthX and some of the other organizations that we're working with are really important because we're hoping to bring in some key exhibits that they're going to have, like from EarthX or some of these other organizations, into the festival so we can have conversations, right, about artificial intelligence. Next year, one of our partners is going to have an exhibit on, they'll bring some of their Oculus eyewear, and we'll have augmented reality and, and virtual reality components so that people can see those things. So we really are trying to spend a lot of time just inspiring people and educating them on what's happening around us. Well, next year, I would imagine, since this year is very virtual, next year will be more of a physical kind of a thing. Are you going to have a, the need for volunteers, more volunteers next year? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Last year, we had about 125 volunteers. Next year, I'm sure we will need more because we're going to hopefully grow more. (laughs) And and there's a lot of pent-up demand from regular attendees who want to come, particularly, you know, in the North Texas area. But we do get a fair number of people from Houston, San Antonio, and Austin, and some of the other cities as well. 
Linda, you touched on this about the audience voting. I'm wondering, is that the way you determine the year's, the last year's festival had several winners. Was that determined by the audience voting for them? No, it's not. We have an official competitive uh, awards program and we have the different categories, you know, best narrative feature, best documentary, best short film, best college student film, best high school student film. And we'll have, we have all those categories, but we have select judges. We have at least three judges that we use that are typically industry people that we use for each of those categories. And the three judges will go through, watch the films, make their comments, do their rankings. And then we will select from what those three, each set of judges, you know, who they select as the best film in that category. Sounds like a good way to do it because I right. think for someone like me, it would be a very difficult thing to decide. So you really need people who know the industry and know the art, and then they can make better determinations. You know, I don't envy them. They're, they're no. this year. It's really cut out for them in several of the categories. It's uh, It's been interesting seeing their rankings and determining who that the winner is in that category. And this year, too, we have an opportunity since we're virtual and with the platform we're using, we have an opportunity. We've never done audience awards before. You know, we're doing it for the original music video contest this year. But we also will be able to do it just for the competitive category this year to get an audience favorite. So that's something we won't have that to announce when we have our award show on. Uh, we'll have a virtual award show on Sunday at four o'clock with this January 31st at four o'clock where we'll announce the winners of our festival. After that, through Monday, people have the opportunity to uh, view films and we'll be able to vote on what's been their favorites. Mm-hmm. So that next week we will be able to announce the People's Choice Awards or uh, we haven't, I guess, come up with the name we're going to use for it, People's Choice or Audience Favorites Awards. So we'll be announcing those. So this year it's kind of uh, a virtual platform has allowed us to do that a lot easier than if you're trying to do it in person. Because I've thought about it for years now, but never tried to come up with a way that we thought was really kind of fair or as fair as you can be in that kind of situation because not everybody's going to see every film. So it's, it's a little different in doing that. But, you know, I think it's exciting for filmmakers, somebody to feel like they were the favorite of the festival, even they may not have won an award necessarily. Sometimes the audience might align with what the judges or what we but the judges decided, but, you know, sometimes that doesn't work out that way, but the audience really liked, it might be different. Their criteria or what they're thinking about may be different. It'd be fun to have that award this year, I think, and see how that turns out. It'd be a lot of fun to see. We have such a creative base here in Denton in terms of art, music, and all the students here. So I'm, I'm thinking, and I know I beyond the students and beyond just Denton, but do you see the festival as a great opportunity for people to network within the entertainment industry and also the Denton community at large, but particularly within the entertainment industry? I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. I think absolutely. And I think really through the Institute, the work that we're doing there is a great opportunity uh, with all the panels and workshops and different things that we're doing. The fact the Institute is ongoing year round, there's programming and things that we do. It gives a great opportunity for uh, people to network and meet other people in the industry. So I would say yes. There are a couple of things we did this year too, that to even start the festival off with our filmmakers, we had some um, kind of an orientation, if you will, earlier in December where we invited all of the filmmakers that had their films selected for the festival. We had some Zoom meetings with them. We had about 60 people in each session that we did. And it was great, the energy and seeing them, you know, even just on a Zoom call and them interacting some with each other. Or even when we got the Canadian filmmakers together to talk about their films and filmmaking in Canada, they didn't know each other. So it was great that they then knew each other. I told them I'd send out contact information so they would be able to get in touch with each other and really be connected now. So when I see all of those opportunities, and I think one thing that excites me about the Institute too, is the fact that we're just, it's not just filmmakers, it's a creative community because there's so many components of things that go into a film, whether it's music, there's art that's involved in it, screenwriting, just 
so many different elements. Visual of, art. Yeah, visual arts, all these different elements that are part of filmmaking and part of creatives. And often you have a person that might be a filmmaker, maybe they're a director, but a lot of times they do other things too. You find out that they're a visual artist or, you know, I used to do some spoken word or, I mean, you find out these people are just that creativity runs through a lot of different areas. So the idea that you can bring these people together, I mean, I just sit back and watch. I think, I mean, think about what happens when you've got a director in a room with an actor and you've got a musician and a poet, (laughs) visual artist all together. What could they create? You know, what kind of projects could come from that networking, that sharing, that, that getting that interaction? So that really excites me, that whole idea of just this creativity bubble. Absolutely. Being able to connect people together and then just seeing what happens from that. So where can people go to learn more about the festival, to prepare for attending, to buy tickets, to browse the schedule or whatever it is, if they want to talk to people who are attending it? Where can people go, Harry? So they can go to DentonBFF.com. They can also go to Denton Black Film Festival Facebook page. There are a lot of things that they can see on on those devices, Instagram, Twitter, just a lot of things. But primarily, I would say through the website and Facebook. That's where we have a lot of engagement. Great. And we'll include some links as well on the description to the podcast to make it easy for the listeners to find you. Although you're pretty easy to find, all you have to do is just Google it and there it is. (laughs) Right. And then too, I'm going to mention our YouTube channel too, because we've been doing year round programming. We have one program that we've done a monthly program called Soul Talks, as well as other things. Some of the Institute workshops and stuff are there on our YouTube channel. So people might want to subscribe and go check if you want to look at some of the conversations we've had. We've had a talk with them. a famed Chester Higgins, a noted photojournalist. We had a wonderful conversation with him. We've had conversations with the director for film, Mr. Soul, uh, Melissa Haslip, a wonderful documentary. We've had, a, oh, one of my favorite conversations was with the father and his two sons. His sons are actually music composers in the music business. They just did their first movie score for the film Antebellum, but they're part of the Wonderland Society, Janelle Monet that group. In fact, they're founders of that of that group with her. We had a conversation with them. Their father has a PhD from UNT in music composition. So we had a conversation with Nat and his two young men. And that was, I thought, a wonderful conversation just in how they grew up and just different things that they shared. I thought was really wonderful. It's not just the six days. You have events going on all year, right? Yes, we've evolved this year, just really took off. And I don't know if it's part of the pandemic had had something to do with or what, I guess, moving into maybe this more virtual world. But we uh, around June, we started this show, Soul Talk, and uh, we've just had some interesting guests and we wanted to to be around. We had a conversation with the poet too, a renowned renowned poet, uh, Nikki Finney in September. And that was just really interesting. I never thought about poets. She talked about how she sees things in moving images. When she is writing her poetry, I found that really fascinating. So there's a connection even for her with film, with the whole idea of moving images. So, you know, you discover these interesting tidbits for people. These creative minds are just, uh, they're fascinating to me. And not being really a creative person myself, I guess, in that realm of I don't do art, I do other things, I think. You know, the festival, this is a creative outlet. Yeah, I'd I'd have to take exception to your comment about yourself not being creative. There's no way you're not creative. When people look at what you and Harry have created, it's beautiful. Thank you for the comment. Yeah. But I would say we have about 25 people that do the planning because of the size and scope. And I mean, just the planning. And then we extend that to probably another 10 that are, you know, doing things kind of in a part-time way right with us but it's it's really 25 to 40 people right now it's definitely a team effort really talented people in fact as we speak there are tapings going on right now over at the welcome center with some of the poets right and another thing yeah so it's a lot of things going on so we have 
pretty extensive, you know, group of uh, creatives. So Harry and Linda, here's a question for both of you as we end. What would you like to tell people about this year's Denton Black Film Festival that we haven't already talked about? I mean, I just want to emphasize to people that we have curated this wonderful experience for you that offers a variety of elements of culture and art, and it's worth your time to check it out. Yeah, and what I would say to that is that just try it. Sometimes people will say, well, I'm not Black, right? And what we say is you don't have to or need to be Black, right? You en- you enjoy new things. So just try it out and see. And I think what the feedback I've always gotten is, wow, there's just so much in common with those characters, those events, that I just had a great time. And the experience I received is wonderful. So I'll be back next year. And that, and I think that's really ultimately what we what we want people to do is just experience it. And let's see if we can break down some barriers. Let's see if we can get to know each other a little better. And uh, that, that would be, you know, my desire is that uh, it just makes all of us be more connected to each other. Well, that says it all. Thank you both so very, very much for being with us today. And thank you for the Denton Black Film Festival. What a gift you're giving to the community and and beyond. So thank you both. Thank you. Well, let me say this to you. So I think you did a great job through interviews. My wife and I have been through several. I think you're one of the better interviewers that we've ever talked to. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's high praise coming from you with all of the people you talk to. Thank you so much. No, but I I think you have a gift in this area. Thank you. Well, it's easy when I'm talking about a project and people like you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Linda and Harry Eady about the 2021 Denton Black Film Festival, January 27 to February 1. Kick back at home with your popcorn ready and experience DBFF. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go back and listen to our previous interviews, which you can find on our website, olli.unt.edu slash podcast, or by searching for the Ollie at UNT podcast in your favorite podcast app. While you're in the app, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. We also encourage you to share our podcast with your family and friends. As many of our UNT students face unexpected challenges and expenses related to the coronavirus, the new UNT CARES Fund is here to help them persevere. Gifts made to this special fund will meet short-term needs so our students can continue to have long-term success. Visit one.unt.edu slash UNTCares to make a gift today. Your generosity will go a long way in helping UNT students stay safe, healthy, and on track to graduate.